Welcome to Inspiring End-of-Life Conversations with Nina Impala. Do you have questions about death? How about events surrounding death? Or perhaps you have questions that need to be answered after death. On this program, we talk frankly and openly about the subject and invite you to share your comments and experiences as well. Now, here is your host, Nina Impala. Hey, everybody, and Happy New Year. I hope you guys all had a great holiday. I'm glad to be back to Inspiring End of Life Conversations. I've got a wonderful gentleman here today with me, Chris Keto. And Chris Keto came close to dying by not being able to take a breath. At age 24, Chris experienced an NDE due to an allergic reaction to a bite of birthday cake containing peanuts. Took the next seven years before he had integrated the experience sufficient to be able to share his story and begin to make sense of his life. A transformation took place for Chris, changing what had been his previous youthful outlook on life to a newfound spirituality. Chris was, a, was fortunate to survive his loss of breath, but whether or not we live or die, Chris's story lets us know comforting fact that we do not die alone. Hello, Chris. Hi, Nina. Glad you're here, buddy. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to uh, spend the next hour or so with you and your All audience. right. You're so welcome. Well, I'd like to have you tell your story for us, and uh, we're just going to go from there. Thank you. Um, so, you know, I, I'm going to go ahead and dive right in okay. to this, and then we can uh, we can go from there. So, you know, uh, thank you for the wonderful introduction. I had a near-death experience when I was 24 years old. It was about eight and a half years ago. And only recently this year did I start speaking about it. Um, for about seven years, I did not discuss it. A lot of my family and friends did not know about it. There were several attempts uh, a year or two after at a local IAMS, International Association Near-Death Studies Group, where I again, attempted to speak about it. And I, re I really couldn't. I, I got about halfway through the story, left out all the really good details that everyone wants to hear and yeah. was not in, at any, in any position to, to really discuss or even really you know, be able to get the words out and feel remotely comfortable doing that. Um, and then years later, obviously, we, we started speaking. So I'll, I'll go back. So I, I grew up in Long Island, New York, I was mm -hmm. the oldest of three boys. I, you know, all American upbringing. I was a lifeguard in the summer. I played lacrosse for many years. Mm. Then I headed off to college in Connecticut. I studied business. And then from there, I uh, had enough of the winners, we'd say, and I decided to head to Los Angeles. Thought I wanted some sort of business career within entertainment. Mm -hmm. uh, I ended up going into real estate and, and still am in real estate, you know, almost uh, you know, nine, nine and a half years later. And uh, when I was there, I, I moved in, all my family was on the East Coast, and I was pretty much in LA by myself. And um, I, I was at a friend's birthday party. This was within six months of being in Los Angeles, and it was a wow. Sunday evening. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I always grew up with a peanut allergy, and I knew I was allergic. I never had a serious reaction. Okay. I, believe when I was later funny out when I when I was a baby I had a rash and hives and so, you know that that led to oh there is a never had any sort of anaphylactic reaction or anything that was anywhere on the spectrum as severe as that mm -hmm. uh, with that and I simply avoided like many allergy 
uh, people that have allergies avoided nuts, peanuts. And I did a very good job for, for almost 24 years of avoiding that. Uh, wow. being conscious and aware. And that's something as and you're having allergies, you are always on guard and always aware mm-hmm. uh, with that. So I did have EpiPens and, uh, you know, nine out of 10 times they were probably expired because when you don't have a reaction for many, many years or pretty much your entire life, you, you don't, you're not consciously aware of it. You know, it's there, you avoid it, you're okay. And then you're, you're a little more relaxed with regards to cross-contamination. And, you know, it, it's just something that you kind of just get a little lazy about in a way. Sense. That makes total sense. Yeah. If you hadn't had a reaction for so long. Continue. Uh, absolutely. And yeah. uh, so I was always aware. So I knew. And I, 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 I had EpiPens. Again, they may have been expired. So I'm at a birthday party. Everyone's mixing and mingling. It's a Sunday night in Los mm-hmm. Angeles. And they start cutting up the cake and they're handing the cake out. And everyone's hanging around, talking, having a good time. And, you know, this is a, you know, I remember this moment like it was this morning. And I just took you know, there was a slice of cake on the plate that was handed to me and I just had a fork and you just take, you know, when you take the first, you know, bite of the cake and you just kind of scoop in the pork and you eat it while you're talking to someone. And then, you know, in that moment, I don't really know what a peanut tastes like. I kind of, I get what the smell is from being in the store. Right. I didn't actually eat peanut butter. peanut, And I just, the moment that was it, that got that, that spoonful went in my mouth. I knew something was wrong and it was so quick that I just, it, it was, it was instant. And they, I swallowed the, the piece of cake and. And it was a tiny bite, right? It was a very small bite. You know, the mm. amount, the peanut that was in there must've been the quarter, the quarter size of an M&M. It was such a minuscule amount. Mm. And I just thought, oh boy, what did I do? Okay. Don't freak out. I, uh, you know, just take some Benadryl and you'll be okay. Or maybe just get like you know, some Sprite. And that's really what I thought. I remember thinking, drink some Sprite. The carbonated soda will, will, will help. Because I had a little bit itch in my mouth, but that was it. And that's, mm-hmm. that's part of the story that there was a delayed anaphylactic reaction. Got it. It probably happened around 9 or so. And I thought, all right, I'm going to go home. The party's finishing up. They cut the cake. I'm okay right now. I'm a little startled. I'm going to go home and take a couple Benadryl and we'll sleep this off. And, you know, that'll be that onward and upward to Monday morning. Right. I get home, take a few more Benadryl. was really okay. And, you know, I'm laying in bed and I'm trying to sleep and it's, you know, 10 o'clock, 1030. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, ah, you know, how am I doing? Am I all right? Am I, am I feeling a little bit warm? You start to have those moments where you're like, is there something wrong? Is something going to start turning out to be wrong? Or am I just making this up in my head? And there's that, this, this theme that went on for the rest of that night of, okay, what's happening and what decision am I going to make here? And I had a lot of decisions I had to make that evening. And this was really the first one where I said, what's going on here? Yeah. Am I making this up or am I, am I, am I starting to go into an allergic anaphylactic reaction? So I get up and I, I go, well, where's my EpiPen? Let me see if I can find it. So I ended up finding it in the medicine drawer. I got that and, you know, lo and behold, that was expired by a few months. Mm-hmm. And I took another Benadryl and I'm laying there and I said, I really can't sleep. I don't feel well. And I get up and I, I go back in the bathroom this time and I, you know, flip 
put the light on more and I see, you know, I'm really very red. I have hives and a rash and I'm breaking out all over. My eyes are bloodshot and I'm yeah. thinking, all right, now, now I'm like, okay, I have a rash here. This Benadryl is not working as well. And my focus is, well, how's my breathing? And I'm kind of sitting there breathing and stand there breathing in front of the mirror. I'm like, is it okay? Is it labored? Is it tough? Am I wheezing? Am I just freaking myself out? I don't want to make a big deal. What do I do in this situation? I never had an allergic reaction before that was like this. I, I you know, never really had any. And when I was a child, I had a rash. That's how I knew I was allergic. And then we just avoided it for, for 20 years. Wow. So... I then go back and I'm, I'm laying down again. I'm like, let me just rest and see what happens. And I'll calm my breathing down. And then, then I start to realize, and then my mind starts racing. And I'm starting to realize at this point and in this moment that, okay, something's not right here. This is not just a, you know, mental anxiety of, okay, what's going on? But there's a physical reaction happening here. And I do feel it's getting harder to breathe. And I... I, I'm going to try and do my best to explain from this moment on through the NDE and the hospital and all of that, because it's very okay. hard because uh, language is very limiting. And a yeah. lot of the experience, I, I'm going to do my absolute best to put it in words and, and the words that we have to describe. And some of it's very undescribable because uh, it, doesn't, it doesn't take place in this physical realm mm-hmm. of what went on. And I'm, I'm, I'm laying there. And I'm thinking, all right, what am I going to do? Am I going to call an ambulance? Am I going to just take a shot of this epinephrine, which mm-hmm. I don't know if it'll work. I don't know if it's enough. I don't, I don't know. I, I just, I just right. put it in your leg. That was it. Yeah. And, or do I go to the hospital? I, I, I'm thinking, I don't, what do I do? I have to figure out something. And I'm thinking in this moment, what am I going to do? Because now, now breathing is getting a little bit tougher and I'm starting to get a little, okay, some, I have to do something has to be done in yes. this situation. And I figured, well, it's a Sunday night and there's no traffic. I, I you know, I'm going to drive myself to the hospital. I, I don't, in my head, in that moment, you know, looking back, I felt what if the the ambulance doesn't come on time or they don't mm-hmm. have epinephrine, which weren't the most plausible reasons, but that was running through my mind when you're starting to panic and think, well, I want control of this situation. I felt I had the most control if I took myself there and I just showed up in the emergency room. Oh God, um, so you got in your car. So I got in my car <laughs> and yeah. I just drove to the hospital. And while driving to the hospital, my breathing, my physical state was deteriorating rapidly. I was really okay because this was a delayed anaphylactic reaction. Gotcha. So I was okay. When I left the party, I was fine. I really, I drove home a little shaken because I ate that. But now, now I'm in the car and my breathing is now labored. It's hard for me to breathe. Okay. And I'm now starting to to think, okay, I got to just get there and I'm going to get as far as I can if I have to. And then I'm just going to use the epinephrine and go from there. I don't know what will happen once I use the epinephrine, but I have to get there. My breathing is becoming an issue and, and panic. I would say panic was setting in like, okay, this is now very serious. I see this being life threatening. Uh, There's a, there's a concern here. And at I, this I, point, I'm just going to say at this point, it's amazing that you even got in your car and drove. You yeah, know? I just, I, I, it, it, I, I, you know, at that point, I was running on adrenaline and survival mode at that point. Chris, and even it, during the drive. Can I just say this? Isn't it amazing that 
when we go through something, you know, like what you went through and the, what goes through our mind, should I go? Should I not go? Should I get in the car? Should I get in an ambulance? Should I do all these different things where, yeah, it's just mind boggling to me what we go through and we have to go to a hospital or there's something that happens to us, like exactly what you're going through right now. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> well, absolutely. It's that moment of I, you know, I, I, the wrong decision can be fatal. Yes. <laughs> that, that's really what it was. And I yeah. thought, what could I, what, what, what do I do here? And I, I thought that. And so I, I, I get to the hospital and I, I pull in, and I guess the valet took the car and I stumble out and I, I get to the door and I'm in the ER room. And th- this is when things, I, I was in pretty bad shape. I remember going to the intake desk and they're saying, do you have any identification? I said, I'm having an allergic reaction. And she said, do you have an identification? And I pulled out my wallet and I, I was not able to have the motor skill or the function or focus to pull my driver's license out of like the little slits in your wallet that hold all your cards. And uh-huh. I couldn't do it. I remember I just couldn't. And I was like falling into the, 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 the counter and the, the nurses grabbed me. They ran. I remember she jumped up and grabbed me and the Southerners grabbed me and they carried me back into the ER and I, I, I'm on the bed and they just cut my shirt off and I have, I'm swarmed by a doctor and nurses. I had, I remember five, six people around me and they went to work. I, I had oxygen on. I had all the wires hooked up. I had Benadryl going into my wrist. I had epinephrine going in through my shoulder. I had every thing uh, going on. And I remember just having this very euphoric, peaceful feeling because I, I was fading out consciously and I, I was suffocating. My, my throat was closing up. I wasn't taking in any oxygen. My oxygen levels were less than 10% when, when we should be at like in the high 90s. So I was suffocating. I was suffocating this entire time slowly. And now it just kept constricting more and more. And I couldn't breathe. And I, I remember laying there just trying to breathe and trying to get air to come in. And it wasn't because my throat was closing. And I, I, time stopped at that point. And I just remember being there. And then the pain kind of went away. And I was in this euphoric bliss. And I remember thinking to myself, just why is everyone so panicked around me? I'm, I'm just mm-hmm. laying here. They're rushing. It's hectic. They're panicking. They're moving. They're losing their whole, they're holding my mouth open. They're like moving my teeth, trying to look in there and mm. shine a light and look down my throat and all of these, this is all going on. And I remember thinking to myself, I said, you know, I, I said, this is it. I said, I'm dying. I am, I am out. I said, that's it. And I wasn't, I had no desire to die. I had no intention by any means. It was just this, I would call it, and like I I said earlier, it's very hard with language to describe feelings and emotions in these moments. You know, is it feel like, you know, I mean, I almost feel like it's just, it's just happening. It is. It's just happening. And you lay there and you observe it. Yeah, it was an acceptance. I said, okay, I, I just knew I had this knowing that, oh, I'm, I'm dying. I, I know that I am dying. Were you scared and at that point, Chris? There was no fear. No, I was in this That's important to hear. Un, undescribable euphoric bliss and mm. just kind of watching this 
show around me and this acceptance. And I remember feeling this, just this wave of, a, of emotion or thought that was, you know, here I am dying alone on a hospital bed, suffocating to death. And I said, material, I'm thinking to myself, material things don't matter. Right. Love and kindness matters. Nothing else matters. Like I'm on my way out and nothing else. Life gets extremely clear in those moments when you're, you know, opening the door to step out of here, step out of this reality. You know what comes into my head when you say that is is like we go from the left brain to the right brain. Like your left brain was working so hard to make an analytical decision about what you needed to do to get to that hospital. And then when you look at your NDE and how the right brain comes in and what matters, you know, it blows my mind because you can see the shift in consciousness in what you're talking about between your 10 minutes ago and right now. It started. Yeah. Uh, and you, you almost, I, it's hard to come up with words. It's almost like a surrendering to the situation, a true yeah. letting go. I mean, I was helpless. I couldn't physically do anything. I exactly. So would you say it's almost like a surrender? In a way? Yeah, it was a surrender and acceptance and just this euphoric bliss. There was no pain anymore in this euphoric. moment when I was feeling this. It was yeah. very, I just say euphoric bliss that's uh, very it's not from this physical world yeah those are happy words chris euphoric bliss are happy words i like thinking about euphoric bliss (laughs) you know it's like uh, the the images i get are light and open i see your heart open and your and and, and peace and just peace and and just a calm and it it was just a i was calm and i understood and and I, so I had these emotions coming in, these thoughts about material things don't matter and it's love and kindness. And then I, I knew I was dying. I, I remember thinking to myself, I said, oh, nah. I said, this is it. I'm checking out. This yeah. isn't happening. And I remember a, a, a very pivotal, a very intense moment. The doctor looked at me after he was looking down my mouth and opening it, and, you know, because they were trying going to put a tube down my throat to help me breathe. And they couldn't get a tube. Uh, down my throat. It was so tight. They couldn't, they couldn't do that. They couldn't. God, that must have been so hard. Mm. And the doctor looked at me and he said, I'm sorry, I can't save your life. Oh my gosh. And I just looked at him and I, I, I had no, I had no response. I just, I didn't, I just was, oh, you know, I just, it was just <laughs> a pass. It was pass. It was passing me. I was, I was okay. consciously already halfway out the door. Okay. Uh, spiritually saying. Okay. In that so, and, yes. Uh, how how long were you out for? Once you, I'm sorry, I'm jumping ahead, maybe a little bit. How long were you out for? How long were you gone? How long were you dead? Well, I didn't. I didn't technically and legally flatline. Gotcha. But um, you were there. I was there, and that was. I would later find out I was in the hospital for about eight hours, and I was really intense for about forty minutes. Mm. where they thought I was going to pass away. Mm. Uh, but back going back to that moment of being in that, that situation, at that point, I remember having this knowing and acceptance that I was dying. And my grandfathers, one passed away many years before I was born, one passed away when I was, I was very young, about two years old, came to me. And I don't, 
think it was, it wasn't, I wouldn't say it visually came, but the energy, the presence, they were there with yes. communicating through spirit. And my grandfather said, you know, they go, you, you can't die. Because in my head, I'm thinking, oh, I'm dead. I'm going. I'm, I'm, and there was an acceptance and all these things or like I was right. describing earlier. And, and they step in and they say, no, you, you can't die. Nope. You got, you got work to do. Got to go back. Got to put some relationships. You have work to do. Wow. And I just had that knowing. I, I remember thinking to myself, even, even now, you know, eight and a half, nine, almost nine years later, mm-hmm. like clear as day, just thinking, okay, okay. I don't want to die. I don't like, I, I, I had no intention. It was just happening and I, there's nothing I could do. And they said, you can't die. Nope. You got to go back. And I remember there was just this fight in me saying, yeah, okay. Like, absolutely. Like I spoke, you know, and, you know mentally communicated back. Absolutely. Okay. And that moment I remember just, like a snap of a finger, I came back into my body. Amazing. And I just was hit with this intense pain, mm. chaos, trauma, insanity. Everything came back. The euphoric bliss was gone. Mm. I was back to this world. I was there. It was noise. It was hectic. It was unbelievable pain. And then I started speaking. I, I, I'm saying, I need more. I'm trying to breathe. And they're, they're happy. I'm responsive now. And they're like, Oh, we, we, something's happening. We, we got him back. He's, he's going to pull through and I'm clawing at the oxygen. I said, I want to breathe. I want to breathe. And there was no NDE moment. There was no spiritual. This was no. a purely <laughs> survival yeah. to breathe, scrape, fight, intense pain, trauma in the ER moment. There was nothing beautiful or magical anymore. That, that ended quickly. <laughs> so I, I, I'm just clawing to breathe and survive. Mm. And that went on for probably another 10 minutes or so, uh, which I later found out. And then my bike, I calmed down more and I was, the, the, everything was pumping through me, the chemicals, the oxygen, and I was stabilizing. And then I stabilized for the next six and a half, seven hours or so. Um, so, did you just go home after all this, after eight hours? That's a great question. So I, <laughs> I, I'm sitting there and everyone's looking at me and they're like, oh my God. They said, we didn't think you were going to make it. They said, you're unrecognizable from how you walked in. Because I was covered in red blisters, welts, whatever, yeah. head, to, head to toe. Yeah. Head to toe. And uh, I had to get carried in. And they're like, oh, you know, you want to go home? They're like, we're like, we, we, you know, you're fine. We don't know. Like, where's you're you? Fine. I remember the one nurse just looked at me and she goes, you are unrecognizable from when you walked in. And they said, you want to leave? And I said, I, okay. So they gave me like a little bag with some paper and I walked out and, you know, I, I always In joke, LA. What I really, I really knew I was back. Uh, in this world when I had to pay for parking. And that's the first so thing. Typical of LA. Yeah. I know. <laughs> awesome fortune to park anywhere. Yeah. yeah. So I said, well, I definitely didn't die. I'm paying for parking. So yeah, no kidding, Chris. But I can't even imagine in, in, in my own mind and heart that you just go through this profound experience. You get in your car and you drive home. And yeah. What and went on for bad. you? You know, you're sitting in your living room and go, what the F just happened to me? 
you know? There was, there, there, you know, that's, that's a really good point to bring up. I didn't, I, I just went and said, wow, that was a lot. Let me go to bed. It wasn't for a few days after where I began to really process because I was in so much pain. Mm. It hurt to breathe and move. How long did that oh, last for, Chris? Several days. Oh, my. Okay. So, I, I, there was no, like, really mental or emotional processing mm-hmm. for, I would say, at, you know, three or four days after. After three or four days, I then, you know, went into, oh, oh wow, what happened? Or that was, you know, a, 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 you know that was intense. But the, the first 96 hours after was just physically trying to breathe and recover and, and intense, intense pain throughout my body. Wow. So once you kind of, what's the word I want to use, acclimated to what happened to you, you know, how did it change your life, Chris? Like, how are you moving through? It's been eight years now. And your your this past year has been a big um, talking year for you to share your story. What would you say has changed in your life? Because a lot of NDEers, you know, what I hear them say is, you know, I had my life planned and you went to college, you got a business degree, you know, you had a direction in your life that you were going. And um, a lot of my NDEers that I talk about say, that really changes. You're, you're trying to find out who you are after an experience like that. Would you say that's true? Did that happen for you? Absolutely. So after the first few days of just physical recovery to be able to function normally, it took me about a month and a half to really get back, two months to get back physically where I was, you know, the morning of that incident prior to that, so that Sunday morning. That was just a physical yeah, uh, there's emotion. I, you know, I, I, I was very fortunate. I, I've kept a journal since I was 14 years old. Oh, that's awesome. And, back. and I, you know, I did not know what an NDE was. I had no dot, no verbiage of that. I did not know that community. I did not know what happened mm-hmm. other than I had an anaphylactic, a severe anaphylactic reaction. And that was that. And it wasn't until several months afterwards that I stumbled upon an I, the IAN's website and realized what happened. And then things started to make sense. Wow. Uh, so you, so wait, back up. So you were just kind of researching and looking and you came across IAN's? Absolutely. Yeah. That's I had a no freaking idea. miracle right there because that's an amazing group of people. So that's, that was spirit just going here, read this. <laughs> Yeah, so for those eight weeks after, I had no idea what happened. And I was patching it together still and figuring out. And I look back on my journal entries and, and several journal entries. And about, for about six to eight months after, I, I didn't know my identity. You bring up people like didn't know what they were doing. Like, I, I did not know who I was. And I, I knew how to tie my shoes. I knew my time tables. But I, didn't, I had this amnesia of my consciousness of what I believed in, what I cared about, how I would react or do something. Okay. Stop there. That was deep. That was really deep. So you had an amnesia. You said you had amnesia about your consciousness. Yes. I, my consciousness, I wrote several times over that summer. My consciousness is totally different. It's shifted and it wasn't, like it shifted after 20 years of yoga and prayer, it shifted after one very intense and traumatic near death experience. And, and I did, and again, for, for two months afterwards, I had no idea what even happened. I'm just waking up and I go, I have no idea what's going on. There were moments 
And I always want to put at, you know, pull out little moments where, you know, it was really profound. And I remember, I remember smelling like walking and smelling flowers and just mm. getting very, very emotional. Cause I was like, Oh my God, I, I just almost died. And now I have a sense of smell. I never really had a good sense of smell to be very honest with you. And Isn't then I came back and I could smell these roses and I might, my, my, I just, my, I can't stop crying from smelling oh. a beautiful rose on the side yeah. of the road. Uh, I, I remember that. I just remember not being able to really control any emotions I had. And I didn't know who I was. So hypersensitivity. Uh, it was a hypersensitivity across the board with sunlight, diet, noise. Everything. But there was the, I didn't, there was the, met, the, the mental and emotional. I didn't, I, I was just, you know, pushed out with a different way of thinking. And I was like, all right, like I didn't, you know, now, now I've integrated much more but when that first happened that first six months eight months I had no clue what was going on in my yeah. mind no clue whatsoever it was toontown and I had to rebuild I mean and I still am so you know from this point on you know I didn't speak about it, it was very difficult a lot no one really knew about my experience they knew I had an anaphylactic reaction and then the story stopped there okay so you would just say people yeah I had a really bad reaction to peanuts from eating some cake and that was it Exactly. And then okay. if anyone asked for more or they knew some people close to me kind of knew there was more to it than, yeah. you know, I didn't, I, I, but I'll be very honest. I did not speak about it. People have asked and I said, no, I don't, I don't talk about it. And <laughs> um, that went on for really eight years. There were, again, there were several moments where I spoke at local IANS chapters, but I, I only gave 50% of the story. It was nothing like I'm describing to you right now. Wow. Was that because I, couldn't, this- I, couldn't, I could not talk about it. Gotcha. I bet you probably it's almost like you had a big lump in your throat or a block in your throat. I, it, 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 I was, it was, there was a rock in my throat. Yeah, that's what I was, that's <laughs> it, was, it was more than a lump. So I get visions I, I, while people talk, so I'll just come out and say it, <laughs> you know. But yeah, I feel like there was a big boulder in your throat and you weren't able to, there, you just couldn't. And because it's so powerful and it's almost like, you know, in life, I have this thing that I always feel is like when I'm talking to people and I'm telling them something really profound, right? And I'm just saying, you know, like maybe it's something like that happened to you and I start talking about it and maybe we're sitting and we're having lunch and the person just looks down at the menu and says, are you going to get the turkey sandwich? And I know that their ears were not ready for me. And that minimizes your experience, you know? So it's almost like you got to share it with people that you trust, that you know, that are up in a higher vibration. And then it expands from there. Am I kind of on the right track a little bit with that? I, I, I agree with that. You have, to, you have to absolutely know your audience when you're discussing death, dying, consciousness, and afterlife. I, mm-hmm. I could, but I, I was just, I was a hot mess for many years. Okay. <laughs> that, okay. That was it. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it it's just so- wasn't happening. I could have been with the most, high consciousness, holy people, it didn't matter. Yeah, I understand. No, I've I've talked to other end years and they all kind of say the same thing. What's so beautiful about the way you talk about your NDE, and I want to just say this and put it out there because I want to expand on it a little bit. You describe moments. And I've watched your other interviews and you use the word, it was a moment where there's a pause. And I think that's a beautiful gift, Chris, that you could bring to our world is to teach people to recognize those moments. 
in life where, hey, something just happened. Or, you know, like you said, when you smelled a rose. The other day, somebody was talking to me on the phone, and I don't even remember who it was. And I was just sitting on the couch in my living room, and there was a little bird in the tree. And I actually got tears. It was the cutest thing. And he was trying to figure out where he was going to make his nest. And leaves were flying out of the tree, just dead leaves, because he was going in and doing all the stuff. And it was just a really beautiful tree that's just got a lot of leaves. And it was just funny just to see all these leaves. It looked like there was almost a machine in the tree that was spouting out all these dead leaves. It was a moment for me. Yeah. And it won't go away. It was so beautiful. And I think that through your NDE, it, there's this pause about moments, things that you deeply remember. I mean, how would you describe it? When you say you have a moment, what does that mean to you? I would say that that that's something that resonates enough where everything stops around me. And it's something I can talk about a decade later. And it could be something from smelling a rose to just the, and it's quick. There's split second moments that are just hyper, hyper in the present. And it's just, it's just the unit, the universe just sprinkles these special little moments in our life. And, a lot of times, sometimes we miss them because of chaos and we're not paying attention or we're not grounded or we're not open. And, but they're there. And, you know, that's a whole nother discussion. To, for, for it all is, but it's, 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 you know, it, it's a gift that I think people should like work Carish. on. Absolutely yeah. cherish. And that, that's what I think was, was, and I know even now for me, you know, I value people experiences and moments because at the end, that's all you really have. And, I've had the, I've had the, I've been in the position of checking out and, you know, opening that door to, to e- exit life. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. You, you get really clear. I don't have to, you know, be on my deathbed and realize what I want to do or not do. I've had that experience at a very young age that also came with its challenges. You, you know, the after effects, I said, the NDE is, you know, 5% of the story, 95% is what happens after, you know, here I am almost nine years later and I am still processing, processing, integrating. And this is something only, you know, eight, nine months ago, I started speaking about. Yeah. And it's been a challenge. It's, it, there's, it, it's, you know, a lot of everyone's NDE is different. Everyone's experience is different. And it's in mine was not all you know, I call it the Oprah moment and wonderful and bliss and unicorns and rainbows. It, it, my actual, my NDE was violent, traumatic, chaotic. Yeah. Uh, the after effects going through uh, my new identity, my new consciousness, living, figuring out what I want to do was very tough. It was very, you know, I use the words, it was very isolating in a way. Uh, yes, and I, I'm fortunate that I, if I could have even been able to speak about it, there was community for that. I just couldn't even get to that point mm. for many, many years, and it, it was hard. You know, you're entering at, at my age, or really any age, it's slightly different. But you know, you're entering adulthood, and then on top of it, you're going into adulthood with a whole new set of hardware and your consciousness and mind and what you want and what you value is now, well, that's thrown out the door. So then it's, well, you know, everyone knows you a certain way for 24 years and then you show up a couple months later and you're like a different person. Yeah. So there's that as well. There's so many, there's so many aspects that you cannot prepare for or even really be anticipating where you're like, oh, that was kind of odd or, oh, I didn't expect that or, 
I didn't know I was on on this path and then you just kind of continue to evolve and still now I mean I, I still deal with you know uh, when I initially started speaking this year I was dealing with a lot of post-traumatic stress from that and I'm still it's it's, it's not a cakewalk by any means for me to have dialogue with you and to in a way really kind of relive this this trauma um, and I, I you know I've done so many different and we can get into this more a little bit later in the show, uh, ways in healing and integrating over the last eight years to be able to speak and talk to you right now. Yep. Yep. I, I agree with you 100% on that because I think that, uh, you know, I, I had been listening to one of your other interviews and I know that it is only 5%, you know, and 95% when you guys come back, it's, it's literally like you're born all over again. It's, wouldn't you say it's almost like you got to start from the beginning? Oh, a- absolutely. I mean, I, I stepped. God, I mean, that's a lot. Business and I, a young I man too. Back. Mm-hmm. Your life experience when you had your NDE wasn't. You know, you hadn't been on the earth a whole, lo- a real long time. You know, and it made perfect sense to me that you saw your grandparents and they were like, "Hey." No, 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 no. You got to go back. I could just see me saying that to my granddaughter, you know, or something, you know. No, wait, you got a full life ahead of you. You know, it's just beautiful. Well, you know, let's take a little break. And when we get back, I want to talk about some of these other modalities, okay, that you've been working with and other things that you've learned in that 95%. So we'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Nina offers an alternative to traditional counseling. Sessions are not just 50 minutes, but a full hour. When you go in for a regular counseling session, many times you don't remember everything. Nina's difference is a summary email after each session and or a follow-up phone call if needed up to two weeks after. Nina also provides hospital visit consultations as necessary. Sessions with Nina and Paula are $250. And if you book a three-session package, you will get a $100 discount. Let's get you feeling peaceful and happy again. Losing someone we love is one of the most challenging, fearful, and heart-rending experiences we are ever likely to face. In her book, Dearly Departed, Nina Impala shares stories of her experiences as a hospice volunteer for more than 12 years and how those experiences prepared her for the final days of her own parents. Nina emphasizes the importance of being a good listener and living a good life. Dearly Departed by Nina Impala is available in paperback or Kindle edition through Amazon.com or your favorite book retailer. listening to inspiring end-of-life conversations. If you have a question for Nina Impala or her guest today, call into our program at 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Or send an email to tutoringforthespirit at gmail.com. Now, back to this week's program. Okay, we're back with Chris Keto and his amazing NDE that he had. And Chris, I want to just introduce just just for a second. You know, your mom was a spiritual gal, which 
She uh, worked in special education and um, what else did she do? She had a, a medical, what was PhD in medical holistic philosophy. So you had a little, few little spiritual, you had spiritual guidance in your life. You know, would you say you probably weren't a religious person, but your mom was more holistic and more open? Yeah, that's a really great point. Thank you for bringing that up, Nina. I, sure. I did not grow up in a religious family. Um, I always kind of joke Christmas was Santa's birthday. Okay. <laughs> and uh, so I was never trapped by any religious ideas with this NDE or going in or out. I would say I was always spiritual. I had crystals. I read a few Doreen Virtue books. I, you know, I liked that. I was inside. I, I had, I had, you know, amethyst and rose quartz on my, my desk in my college dorm room. Okay. So yeah. You, you, so you I had to... a little bit of that um, right. going in and that, 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 I, I guess, you know, I, 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 would, I would assume helped give me a very good understanding and, and led me on the journey where I am now. After my near-death experience, I did not have to wrestle like many other NDEers with the idea or the belief in a religion or, or that philosophy. I, I went in very neutral. I, you know, I didn't have a fear of death. I wasn't concerned with it. I wasn't, uh, I didn't have this defined belief that, I followed for years prior with an organized religion. I just kind of was spiritual. I'd say I was just spiritual. I was, you know, and that was, that was the extent of it. And, um, I, that led to this journey of healing I'm on and have been on, which was, you know, I've done everything. I'm just trying to put it. I mean, everything from, traditional Lakota sweat lodges, Reiki, yoga, breath work, sound bath, every every type of healing, holistic wellness, Eastern European, uh, Eastern medicine, everything I've dabbled in, in this quest to, you know, find peace and Mm -hmm. harmony and really build myself back together Without, and I didn't have, you know, there wasn't, you know, 10 years ago, there's so much more that came out about NDEs in the last nine years. True. So we're going back nine years and I didn't know, like I was piecing this together. I was in my mid twenties living in Santa Monica and Venice. And I, I was just trying to put it all together. And most 20 year olds are just trying to put it together regularly in life. Right. So exactly. That, yeah. You know, I'm doing that. And then I'm also just trying to put together everything else. Dating, going to college, and just being a young man. Yeah, and living in a city, and, and yeah, and business, and growing, and you know, trying to make friends and date all of those things on top of like you know my my consciousness exploded, and I'm piecing, putting, you know, it's like breaking a puzzle, and I'm trying to put this all back together, the regular life puzzle, then the NDE puzzle on top. I'm doing both at the same time. Yeah, and it, it's been a very beautiful journey of you know, different of looking at spirituality and finding my path. And, you know, I always say there are things that resonate more with some people and at different points in your life, different healing methods uh, have more of an effect. And, I, and that's what I went through. And I still do that to this day. And it's, it's been a beautiful journey of self-discovery and community and, and going through that. But it, it was not always like that. There were times that were absolutely awful, awful. I, 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 
vividly remember that that first six eight months just being a train wreck and i'm just saying i have no idea what's going on and i remember it's kind of funny now i remember all when i spoke to who's, who's uh, very involved in the ins community and she goes honey you had an nde she goes you might not be able to go on a date or function for two years <laughs> <laughs> and i go okay that said, makes- uh, i'm sorry who told you that uh, a, a, a leader in the IANS community. I that spoke is to. so funny, Chris. That makes perfect sense. And thank God she told you that. That must have helped you. Oh. And that was the first conversation where I found out what happened because I said, hey, listen, this is my story. I said, I did this. And I saw your website and I, <laughs> I said, there's out of the 28 traits of an NDE, I have like 26 of them. And then <laughs> I called her story and she goes, oh, honey, you had an NDE. I go, all right. And then like, what is that? And that was the first time I heard that was m- several months after the, the, the night of the, the oh, end. Gosh. I heard that. And then I was like, okay, yeah. now someone kind of understands what's going on. Let me, this is, this is, this is where I'm at. And this is going to be a process. And it's right. funny. I always remember them saying the integration was eight years, 10 years, 15 years. And I don't know. It's a lifetime. It's a lifetime for me. I'm still, it's going to be the rest of your life, Chris. Absolutely. And that's, that's totally is. fine. I just remember the goalpost always moving. I thought that was kind yeah. of Yeah. And you and, got all these other- It's up and down. It's up and down when you're right. doing with, with, with it. And you have a wonderful community with all of us, Trisha and all these people that we deal. It's a circle. It's a community, you know, and it's really beautiful. What do you think helps, has helped you integrate? Because you're kind of on both sides. That's the way, you know, I think being highly spiritual beings, those of us that have have that right now, I mean, I think everybody has the ability to open up. And years go through it. It's baptism by fire, by far. You know, it really is. People that have had NDEs is what you guys go through. It's amazing, impactful, challenging. And what has helped you the most, would you say? with all of the different things that you've tried to integrate and bring peace to your heart and uh, help you? Yeah, I, I would say several, several uh, actions. Okay. Traditional Lakota sweat lodges have really helped me process and integrate, and I really resonate with that, with that ceremony. Wonderful. Uh, I would say just time. It takes time. It took me, again, I I keep saying this, but I I want to really emphasize that this was not something I could discuss for almost eight years, which was a third of my life. Yeah. I could not talk about it. Mm -hmm. And that leads, you know, then the third was what leads me to speaking with you now. I, I, I was offered a chance to, to speak about this and I decided to do it. And I said, you know what, I'm going to do it. And mm-hmm. I'll just make it what I, I didn't think anything of it. And then mm-hmm. I realized after that video came out uh, with Anthony Shen, I'm very searchable on the internet and people found my phone number and Facebook, which was fine. And, uh, but with that, I had this outpouring of people that would reach out to me oh. and say, thank you so much. You've helped me. I lost my son or daughter tragically. Mm-hmm. I, I had this issue, my mother's passing. I had all these people from all over oh. the world reach out and say, thank you so much. No, I had no 
idea that would happen. I don't even really enjoy listening or watching any of the media I do. It's very hard for me to hear it back. I, I feel like I'm reliving that. It's, it's, it's difficult for me to hear this story. Understood. It's looking, it's looking to hear it back is very hard. And I, I was really surprised that one, anyone even cared to hear this and that people were finding peace and healing. Yes. So I, I, I said to myself in that moment, I said, you know, two things. I said, one, I feel this is, you know, at this point, it's therapeutic for me to speak about this and it's mm-hmm. healing for me to discuss. And mm-hmm. more importantly, uh, it, it was really beautiful. And I said, if I can help one, every time I speak, if I can help one person and bring them peace healing, uh, calm, or, or alleviate any question or anything to help one person, right. it's worth it. And that's where that's why I do this. And that's why I put myself out there. And it's not easy. It's not the most enjoyable to constantly talk about, you know, the, you know one of the worst moments of your life. Oh, of course. And, and, and the process that I'm still de- dealing with on a daily basis, yep. living with this. And and integrating and processing and healing, but it, 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 the, the, the joy I would use or the, the satisfaction of helping others. And I, I say now, people say, well, what do your grandfathers mean by you couldn't die, you have work to do? And I don't know what that exactly yeah. is or mm. that specific, but I say now, I said, you know, me speaking about this and being in, I do this in service. I said, that's like my rent I'm paying to be on earth right now. I, I should have never walked out of that hospital. I should have, I should have passed away. At the very least, I should have been severely handicapped due to the lack of oxygen in my brain. It's amazing. And I did it. I walked out. It was a miracle. And the way I can give back to the universe and community is, is to speak about it. And there are people that I don't know who they are or where they are, but they listen with, with the channels that are yes. available now globally. And uh, if I can help anyone, it's, that's why I'm doing this. I, I'm just here to give back. And that's, that's, what I'm, that's the rent I'm paying to be, to be given the opportunity at, at life because I, I, I am so fortunate. And that's, you know, the idea of gratitude um, is really something. I mean, gratitude, you know, a lot of people throw that word around. But that's for me, it's, that was life and death. And I, I was on that ledge and went over a little bit. So I, I really know what gratitude is when you have a team of doctors and nurses that go above and beyond, right. even when they feel there is no chance and or just the universe, you know, gave me a second chance and I, I want to give back. And if I can help anybody, that's, that's why I do this. Well, thank you, Chris. And I really appreciate you saying that because I have always thought that gratitude is a very high vibrational word. I just do. I just think it's it's very high vibrational word. And one of the things that I appreciate from NDEs and yourself is the fact that, you know, somebody just said to me the other day, they said, what's it going to be like when I die, Nina? And I was just like, it's a really dear friend of mine. And uh, I take words and visions and things that I get from my people that have had NDEs Mm -hmm. because you guys have got such an incredible message for the rest of us. I mean, just in this session, I know we're getting real close to closing here, but I want to say this, the story that you told, the gratitude that you emote on, on just on the show and the words that you use 
these are all things that people need to hear. Because people that haven't had NDEs, Chris, and I know I got to make this quick, but people that haven't had them, they're scared. They're worried about dying. Our world is in chaos. And people like yourself bring peace. And I really, really want to thank you for coming on the show and sharing your story and teaching us about gratitude, teaching us about peace, teaching us about there is euphoric bliss. It's here. And it's within us. It is who we are. So I want to thank you, my friend. And I want you to just real quick, if you could just say anything that you would like to say, your um, website, anything like that. Well, thank you so much, Nina, for this platform and all the all the work you do with your audience and and everyone. It's you're doing fantastic work and more than ever after this year and going forward, we are realizing that a lot of our lives we have, I, I always say we have more money than ever. We have more technology than ever yet. We're mm-hmm. sicker than ever health-wise and we're more unhappy than ever health-wise. And yeah. I think now we're getting pushed to the point where we have to start looking right. you know, not at, at physical things or, 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 and get back to spirituality and what really makes us happy. And, I, I don't, I don't, I don't have a book out yet that's in the works for this year. And okay. any of your audience wants to reach out, I'm, I'm searchable on Facebook. Just send me a message. Sounds great. And I, I always respond to everyone. Might take me a day or so, but I will always respond and and communicate with anyone. And um, again, thank you so much for giving me the platform to share my story. And it, it's healing for me. And. I, I, I hope your audience could take something from it as well. Oh, they will. It was really powerful. And um, you are doing a great service for everyone. And I just really appreciate you. So thank you so much. And um, yeah, that's it. Just keep doing what you're doing, Chris, because it's great. It really is. I know it's hard to talk about, but really it's, it's a beautiful message. And I really believe that the people that have had NDEs are here for the rest of us to teach us that don't give up. There's beauty, there's euphoria, there's bliss, there's peace. And that's who we are. So thank you, my friend. Thank you. Okay. So another episode has flown by. I'm so grateful that we were able to have Chris on the show today and ask you all to just be peace. Know that there's peace out there. Take deep breaths. And uh, use those moments in your life, moments of sunsets, moments of flowers, moments of animals, birds, everything, and give yourself a little break. Take good care, and we'll see you next week. Bye-bye. We hope you have found hope in this week's edition of Inspiring End-of-Life Conversations. Please join your host, Nina Impala, for another program next Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We'll talk again soon.